You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. This holiday weekend, by the way, if you are new to Faith Church, you can there's a sermon outline you can turn to in your in your bulletin. You can fill in when when it comes up on the screen, you'll see some underlined words. You can fill those underlined words in, or you can just sit back and listen. You either way is fine with me. Um, just no sleeping. All right. So uh, this holiday weekend is probably one of my favorites, probably third on my list, only passed by Christmas and Easter. I have many fond memories of July 4th in the past. Things like going to West York Area High School as a family and watching the fireworks or maybe even being able to go to York Fairgrounds where the fireworks were actually shot off. That was exciting. That's my love for fireworks. I'm going to shoot some off tonight myself. Legal fireworks bought at Target. Um, So nobody needs to write me an email this, this afternoon. But I love to watch them go off. And it probably started by my dad taking me or my mother taking me to York Fairgrounds and watching the boom and the smoke and the fire come out and just being fascinated by those fireworks. And as they were being shot off, the orchestra played in the background patriotic music. It was powerful. There were also family picnics. I can remember one such picnic that some came rushing back when I was typing this this very sermon up. It's where me and my sister's boyfriend at the time played my second cousin and her dad in basketball. It was, you know, 100 degrees out with 100% humidity and I don't know why that sticks out in, our, in my fond memories, but it does. Probably because we won the game. <laughs> um, and there was playing horseshoes in the backyard of my parents' house. Swimming and throwing baseball with my pappy, who is no longer with us. Oh, the memories. But there was certain feeling that went in with those memories. Proud to be an American. Proud to be in the land of the free and experience all the blessings of that land. Independence Day is a day we associate with freedom. Freedom is precious. People have died trying to gain it and people have died trying to preserve it. In November of 1942, when our nation was engaged in World War II, President Franklin Roosevelt said in in his speech, to a joint session of Congress, these words. I believe they'll be on the screen. In the future days, which we seek to make secure, we look forward to a world found upon four essential freedoms. The first freedom is freedom of speech and expression. Everywhere in the world. The second freedom is the freedom of every person to worship God in his own way. Everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want, which translated into world terms means economic understandings, which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants everywhere in the world. The fourth is freedom from fear, which translated into world terms means a worldwide reduction of ailments to such a point in such a thorough fashion that no nation will be able to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor, anywhere. 
in the world. I think that includes Russia, too. Think about it. Freedoms, gone. There are freedoms we fought to preserve and for which we still need to advocate as we celebrate the freedom of our nation. We also celebrate the freedom God has given us. And we too are committing ourselves to using our freedom wisely and well as God intends. The Apostle Paul and Peter both had something to say about this freedom. Paul wrote in Galatians 5, 13 through 14, I know you already heard it, but you're going to hear it again because repeating is good. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedoms to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in these, this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, it says these words. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Today, I want you and me together to understand and grasp why it's important how we use our freedoms. It's great and wonderful to celebrate our freedoms, and we will. Later on today and tomorrow, we will celebrate our freedoms. But as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ... We have a responsibility with our freedoms. We can't just go using them for anything. It's very important that we grasp these points, why it matters how we use our freedoms. Because if we don't, we're not following the Word of God. These verses in Galatians and 1 Peter declare that freedom is a gift from God. That can be used well to serve God. Here's what the first blank is. Freedom is a gift from God that can be used well or used poorly. That's it. Used well or used poorly. It's our choice how we use freedom. We can use it well, as Scripture calls us to, or we can use it poorly and do opposite of what Scripture says to do. And as I was saying, God that can be used, this, this is from a gift of God that can be used well to serve God and to love others, or freedom can be used poorly for such things as self-indulgence or for evil. The human tendency to selfishness means freedom is often used poorly. You know that we are tending to be selfish people, right? And I hope I'm not blowing your, <laughs> blowing your minds already this morning. But we tend to be people about ourselves. We, we really don't care how the other person feels. We care about how we feel. And what ends up happening when we're like that is, is that it leads to our freedoms being used for materialism. I get more, you get less. Or abuse. Or vulgarity. Or racism. Or prejudice. Or violence. All of those happen. When we're selfish with our freedom. There was an illustration that was sent to me just a couple of weeks ago that I thought really caught the attention of this whole, this whole point. Late one night, a cheerful truck driver pulled up to a roadside diner for something to eat. 
While he was having his meal, three mean-looking motorcyclists roared up to the diner's entrance. The atmosphere became tense as they stalked in. Immediately, they selected the truck driver as their target. One poured salt and pepper on his head. Another took his apple pie, placed it on the floor, and squashed it under his dirty boot. The third upset his coffee, spilling coffee, spilling it on his lap. The truck driver didn't say a word. He merely stood up, walked slowly to the cashier, calmly paid his check, and made his exit. One of the motorcyclists noticed that and, that and said these words, that dude sure ain't much of a fighter, sneered one of the men. The waiter behind the counter peered out into the night and replied, he doesn't seem to know much about driving either. He just ran his truck over three motorcycles in our parking lot. Freedom used poorly. <laughs> Freedom is a gift from God that can be used well or it can be used poorly. Our personal flaws and weaknesses and our character and virtue are revealed when we have freedom to act as we choose. You know, just this past week or two weeks ago, there was something that was kind of promised to me and then taken away. And while I was on the phone with with Bishop Randy, I said to him these words. Randy, I know that how I react to this says a lot about my character. I know that. That doesn't mean I'm going to react right. But I know that I have a freedom here. I can get really mad and get really, make it really awkward for a lot of people. Or I can choose to react the way Scripture asked me to react. Now, I'm not going to tell you which way I did. <laughs> that might tell you which way I did. But you see, that's how freedom plays into facts. No one ever denied me the opportunity to be upset. No one. But how I react to that upsetness, to that frustration is my choice, my choice, not anyone else's. And maybe the same is true in your life. Sure, you have the freedom to throw a book across the room. You have the freedom to break a window. You have the freedom to be mad about what's going on in your world. I'm sure there are things that you have the freedom to lose your cookies over. But is that the wisest choice? What does that say about your character? And that's the point that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are making in these scripture passages. Sure, we all have freedoms. We have the freedoms to tell people off if we want to. We have the freedoms to do whatever we want to do within reason. However, those freedoms aren't always used the best way when we are thinking selfishly. Secondly, Paul says freedom is a gift from God that can be used for self-indulgence or loving one another as slaves to one another. This is the second point. 
Now, verse 13 says these words in the NIV. Excuse me. Serve one another humbly in love. Some translations say, be slaves to one another. Now, that may sound strong in our consumer-oriented, self-centered culture. And Paul isn't even directing them to spouses who are to have the highest commitment to serving one another in love. Here's what C.K. Barrett says about these words in his commentary. The opposite of flesh is love. Love that looks away from the self and its wishes. Even if it's real, even if, even its real needs to the neighbor and spends its resources on his needs. You see, Christian freedom is freedom to love and therefore freedom to serve. Paul is directing his words to the Christians, to the church. He's saying to each of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, freely we have received love from God, not because we were so lovable or deserve it, but because God is an insatiable lover of people. Freely as we have received love, so freely we are to share love even when people this is going to be hard to swallow, our unlovable quote. Or we think they don't deserve our love. Often, however, freedom is used not in love, but to control and oppress. The worst things that human do, humans do to each other are often the result of the improper use of freedom. For instance, just going to give you a few examples right off the top of, well, all my notes. The abuse of murder of people are extreme public examples of the misuse of abuse and abuse of freedom. Sure, currently you have the freedom to, to own a gun. You do. But with that freedom comes responsibility. Freedom includes the freedom to do good or evil, to act basely or nobly. We see this play out in our nation, the world, every day. The proper use of freedom includes extending the freedoms we treasure to others, including those with whom we may even disagree. It's hard. I was listening to a popular pastor. That's all I'll say. I won't tell you what his name was. Um, this past week, and he said, you know, what I can't understand is, so in the church, we're all called to be lovers of people, right? What's the goal of the church? The goal of the church is not to, to survive. While that is good. The goal of the church is to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the goal of the church. Now we can debate all night long how we have, or all day long, how we have done it at that. All of us, universally. But that's the goal of the church. So this, this, this pastor said to his congregation, he said, here's what I don't understand. You have some people on this group to the right. I think you'll catch on to what I'm saying. And you have some people to this group to the left, backwards for you. How comes the right doesn't look at the left as the mission field? 
How comes the left doesn't look at the right as the mission field? No, instead, what they do is they light cannons. We're going to make your thinking look like a bunch of load of something. And we're going to do the same to you. Yet Christ calls us to be on a mission field. And so if someone is thinking and doing things that are so against our belief system and they absolutely could not be a believer in our minds, I'm not saying the Bible, in our minds, if there is someone doing something that is against the word of God and doesn't live for Jesus Christ, and in our minds we can't see how they could absolutely be a believer, should we not try to reach those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? But what does our freedom say? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to just bash them. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's saying to his church, to the church people, folks, if, if we have someone who is out there that we are concerned is heading to eternal damnation, that is not the time to slam them for what they believe. That is the time to take them to a Bible and show them what the gospel says. That is the freedom that you have as a believer. That's the calling of Christ in our lives. And trust me, I'm the first to say this is very tough. There are times when, when I enter discussions with somebody on Facebook that I'm not friends with per se. I just did this this past week. And then I start looking at their Facebook page. And I start saying, whoa. These people have some beliefs that I may not agree with. Now I have a choice. I can say, I don't agree with you. I think you're dead wrong. And I'm going to walk away from you. Or I can say, I don't agree with you. I think you're wrong. But I'm going to love you in spite of that disagreement. Now, I can't stand here and say that I always got that second response right. There are times when it's just easier to say, you know what, I don't even want to argue. But the point of the matter is, is, is that what Paul and, uh, Paul and uh, Peter are driving us at here is saying, listen, use your freedoms wisely. Sure, you have the freedom to tell them to go hit the road. You have the freedom to tell them to walk off, take a long walk off a short pier. You have freedom to tell them that they're wrong and that you're never going to be right and they're going to hell in a bread basket and all this other stuff that you want to tell them. You have the freedom to do that. You, you are exactly right. But is it the best use of your freedoms? Scripturally. Scripturally. The important part here is choosing to be like Christ means we see the relationship between freedom and responsibility. Catch that? Choosing to be like Christ means we see the relationship between freedom and responsibility. Perhaps we need a statue of responsibility to go along with the statue of liberty. 
As creatures of free will, we are responsible for our decisions and choices in a free society. The proper use of freedom means we choose the good when the good isn't the only option. Catch that? With freedom comes responsibility. That's the very point that the nation today, in my humble opinion, is missing. We cry out for freedoms, 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 freedoms. We want freedoms, we want freedoms. But we don't want to take responsibility for the freedoms that we got. Freedoms means I can make decisions, and it doesn't matter what decisions I make. That's freedom. Uh, Not according to God's word. Because you see, my freedom ends at Faith Church. What do you mean by that, Pastor Brett? You see, there are times on Facebook when I'm responding to certain things that I have to stop back, step back and say, wait a second, you're the pastor of Faith Church. You better be careful here. More importantly, there are times when I have to step back and say, you're a pastor, a follower of Jesus Christ. You better step back and think about your answers before you just go flying off the handle about this thing. And you the same. You know, we don't think about it, but when we represent Christ, we better watch our responsibilities and our freedoms. You may not think that because you're not getting a paycheck to work at Faith Church that somehow you're not connected to it. But believe me, people know you're here. And so your your stuff, you have the freedom to put anything up you want to on social media, but that stuff speaks to you. And it kind of speaks to God. And so we have to be careful because freedoms come with responsibilities. Virtually every week we see another former top executive accused of financial or other ethical wrongdoing. We hear another political speech inappropriately, political person speak inappropriately. We hear self-identified Christians engaged in cruel and mean-spirited speech or behavior. We see people engage in the act of violence or destruction. Unfortunately, there are many examples in our culture of the improper use or abuse of freedom. There's no need to even illustrate it. While it's easy to criticize others, we need to be reflecting on how we are doing. Look, it was real easy when I was sitting in my office to say, yeah, that person, not nobody here, but that person, that person I know from Dover, Pennsylvania, they're really messing it up. But then it was God who so ever gently in his loving way said, and how are you doing, sir? What choices we make with our freedom each day has responsibilities. Where do we direct our time, our attention, and our resources? What do we do with our body? What do we watch on television or the internet? Do we exercise our freedom and responsibility to vote and be good citizens and to work for the common good and for justice for all? 
To also quote Franklin Roosevelt, again, we must scrupulously guard the civil rights, he said, and civil liberties of all citizens. Whatever their background, we must remember that any oppression, any injustice, any hatred is a wedge designed to attack our civilization. Here's what Second Peter says. People are slaves to whatever masters them. What are you slave to? If you're a slave to Jesus Christ, you're going to make the right decisions with your freedom. Which leads us to the next point on your outline, and here's what it is. Christ promises to make people free, but Christ never promises us to make us independent. It should be independent, not independence. Put the wrong word in there. We are not ultimately free of another of one another. See, that's the cry of some people. They want to be free, but they want to be independent. And the call of scriptural freedom is not one of independence, because in actually, in reality, we are never free of one another. What you do, what you say, how you act, when you respond, how you pray, how you react in this body of Christ is an important part of everybody else's life. But nor can we be free from God. The paradox of freedom is the more we submit our will to God's gracious will and become slaves of Christ, the more fully we become servants of God, the freer we become. Here's the point. The proper use of freedom for a Christian is being a slave of Jesus and inviting Christ to shape and direct how we use our freedom. We can trust God. We can trust Jesus to guide our freedom more than we can trust ourselves. You realize that's true, right? The Bible says that the heart is is selfish in all of its ways. Rarely does the heart want what's best for us. Unless the heart is connected to Jesus. It's important to realize that Christ promises to make people free, but he never promises independence. Never. See, that's where the world is is pushing, and I'm not here to say they got it wrong and we got it right, because once we start into the they and the we, we are in deep weeds. Because we were once they, and they need to be we. You catch it? None of you came out of, none of you came out of your, your mother's womb saying, praise the Lord, I'm saved, and I'm good to go for the rest of my life. You were sinners just like they were. Maybe worse. And you needed to come to know a knowledge of Jesus Christ. This isn't my point. My point is, is that what the world is doing is they're pushing for freedoms and they're saying freedom, freedom, freedom. But what they're doing is they're doing the very thing God never promised. He never promised that we would be independent of him. And so while they're pushing freedom, what they're saying is, let's just push him out the back door and then we can have true freedom. We don't need this religious junk. And may I warn you, may I be as bold to warn you, 
that if you allow that to happen, you are making the biggest mistake of your life. Freedom is dependent on God. Freedom isn't something that's off to the side of God. It's dependent on God. He is the one that keeps us accountable. He's the one that keeps us from doing things that are, that are not good in our lives. Perhaps the most greatest use to freedom is this, the willingness to sacrifice ourselves for others as Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus gave up the freedom he had and took the form of a slave. You know the passage that I'm going to, Philippians 2. Here's what it says. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a How many times have I heard that Jesus doesn't get it? He doesn't get the world that we live in. He doesn't get it. Here's Jesus showing us. He's showing us. He's saying, look, I have the right. And he does. He has the right to come down and say, this world is now mine. And call 10,000 angels down that we like to sing about. He has the right to do all of that. Jesus has the right to say, you know what? I'm going to just destroy this place and start over with servants that will actually serve me and will do the things that I'm asking them to do. He has the right to do all of that. But did you notice the words in Philippians chapter 2? He chose not to do that. He gave up his freedoms, his rights for you. And he came down in the most humblest of ways, laying in a manger. What kind of king deserves to be born in a barn full of stink? But he did it so he could relate to the Brett Kindigs and the Tammy Schaefers and the Ruth Gumberts and the Marlon Gumberts and the everybody else in this room. He did it so that rocket scientists don't need to, don't need to say, oh, well, we, or you don't need to be a rocket scientist to come to him. You don't need an MDiv. You don't need a, a degree. You don't need a doctorate to figure it all out. He did it so simple so that the simple person, the person like you and I, the person that just lives life and tries our best, could come to know him. He did it so that the church would see that, yes, you do have freedoms. But sometimes those freedoms are best used by giving them up. Not all of them. And the freedoms never, 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 never lead to an independence of God. Notice in Philippians chapter 2. Who being in the very nature get God. He made himself nothing. 
being made in human likeness. You will never see in there every, anywhere where it comes out and says that he gave up the nature of God. It doesn't say he gave up his godness. It says he gave up some of the, some of the powers and the strengths that he could have used to come to minister to you and I. And because of that giving up, now the temptation of Satan standing there saying to him, listen, you can, you can have all this if you just eat the bread. is more powerful. The garden, that scene, is more powerful. Because he freely gave up his, his rights. But he was never independent of God. Who's he begging to in that picture? The Father. What's he doing in that very picture that's behind me today and every Sunday? He's asking the Father, if there's any other way, do it that way. But if there's no other way, I'll do it your way. So what's Jesus showing us? That even the Savior of the world needs to still stay connected to God. What makes you think you don't? What does Jesus do often in his ministry? He goes out early in the morning. The disciples aren't even up yet. And he prays. He sets his day off right. He shows his commitment to being connected to the Father. Throughout American history, ever over one million sons and daughters have freely and courageously sacrificed their hopes, their dreams, their love, and their lives. For what? So that we could worship here this morning. Free to think and speak and worship and to provide for our families and to live without fear. Every citizen and especially every politician should annually visit the cemeteries of our nations. Especially in places like real close to my hometown, Gettysburg, Arlington National Cemetery and our military cemeteries all throughout the world. It might open our eyes a little bit to the freedoms, the price of freedoms. We may think our lives are our own, but they really belong to God. Our freedoms, our life, our work, our loyalty, our time, our skills, our service, and our resources are to, use, to be used properly. Not to indulge ourselves, but for the master we serve. So here as we celebrate the freedom of our nation this morning, may we also celebrate the freedom God has given us. Commit to using our freedoms wisely. Let's time out for there just one second. Could we use our freedoms to bring people to a more saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Could we use our freedoms to reach people for Jesus Christ? So Friday, I... 
I stepped out in faith. Something you need to know is, is that another EC church has stepped up and said, listen, we want to buy, well, this is because I talked to them, we want to buy a demographic study of the entire three miles around Faith Church. We will buy it for you, Pastor Brett, if you will take that information and put together outreaches that will reach your community. Okay. So I went one step farther on Friday. I, I don't know. I didn't have anything better to do. Um, I put my neck out on the line. And I put it on Muhlenberg Neighbors on our Facebook wall of Muhlenberg Neighbors. I just asked, you know, our church is doing a demographic study. I'd really like to know what are the needs of our neighborhood. Let's not just talk about a report. Let's ask the neighborhood. And I geared myself up. Because the second question I asked is, is if you do not go to church, why don't you go to church? And I was waiting to get slammed. I had maybe two people that were negative. I had over 85 comments from your neighbors stating why they don't go to church anymore or what they think a church could do to reach their community. I had over 40 comments. Finally, a pastor who reaches out and actually asks the people of the community how to reach the community. I have a freedom. My freedom could say, let's just keep doing what we're doing and not worry about what they are saying. Or I could lay that freedom aside and say, maybe we ought to care about what they're saying. The whole point of that story is to say, Friends, we're, we're going to go a direction of using our freedoms to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's the goal. It's always been the goal. Somehow, some way, we made it about something else. But freedoms need to be used to reach people for Jesus. That's what they need to be used for. And there will be people, trust me, there were a few comments that I have yet to respond to because I need to, that want to use their freedom to throw bombs. I refuse to turn a bomb, return a bomb with a bomb. In fact, there was one such person who told me of their fact that they don't believe in God. They never believed in God. They are an atheist through and through. And I stopped and I said, thank you for sharing an idea of how a church could reach out to people like yourself. I want you to know that we disagree wholeheartedly. I believe in God. You don't. But I also want you to know that right now at this moment, I'm praying for you in my office. Because even though we disagree wholeheartedly, I want you to know the love of God. She didn't respond to that message, but 15 other neighbors did. 
Use your freedom to build people up, not tear them down. Use your freedom to love on people so that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because sooner or later, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. I mean, our Bible says that. At the end of the time, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of them, it will be too late. They've already made their eternal destination very clear. But do you want to know what the report says? I'll tell you one thing that the report says. I promise I wasn't going to talk about this too much today. But here's what I'll tell you what. 40% of people in Muhlenberg in the three-mile radius of our church have never been invited to a church. Never. That's why they don't come. These are real-life reports. These aren't some guy just saying, yeah, I think 40% is a pretty good number. These are people that call people and ask people and ask questions and get to know them, and it changes daily. 40% in a three-mile radius of our church have never been invited to a church. Will we? It's not just me. Will we? Will we use our freedoms to speak up for Jesus with a simple, come and join us. Come and find out what God is doing. If a thing is free to be good, this is what uh, C.S. Lewis says. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. It's powerful. It's absolutely powerful, that statement. On the back of your sermon outline, there's some questions and some comments. I'd love for you around your kitchen tables someday, not today, you don't have to do it today, it's Independence Day celebrations and all that. Don't worry about it. But someday, I'd love for you as a family to sit down or a couple or whatever to sit down and just talk about those questions. How are you using your freedom? Because again, as C.S. Lewis puts it, freedom can be used for good. It can be used to bring people to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It can be used for the fact that, that people need to hear the gospel. Or it can be used for bad. It can be used to cut people down at the knees. It can be used to tell them that they're worthless. And you have every freedom to do that. That's the beauty of having freedom of speech. You do. You have every right. You have every right. And what God is saying is, is that according to his word, what he wants you to do is love one another, not bite each other. That's later in Galatians chapter 3. He literally says, don't bite each other. He wants you to love one another with your freedom, not use it as a, an attack mode. Not use it as a bat to get your point across. But take your freedom and use it to share the love of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior with your world. 
So while you're shooting off those fireworks tonight, maybe we yell, praise the Lord. (laughs) I don't know. That's probably not a good idea. But while you're celebrating, I want you to think of the freedoms. I want you to think of that National Arlington Cemetery and all the men and women who gave their lives for us to be able to worship here. Yes, I do. But I also want you to think about the God who gave you the ultimate freedom. The God who says, yes, you have all the freedoms in the world and you might just live, I know you do, live in the best nation of the world. But don't you dare use that to slam other people. Use it to love them into my kingdom. Use it to love them into my kingdom, God says. Let's pray together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the freedom. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 